Hey everyone, welcome to the Fighting Words Podcast. I am your host, Ian Meshack. I'm really glad you joined me today. I am without my awesome co-host, Tyrell Payton. He's enjoying the nice time off with his family, getting some vacation in. I am very envious of him. But he is very much missed, and I'm sure he will play catch-up next week when we're on the podcast together. Anyways, um, yeah, so Fighting Words, a podcast about, well, I guess one dad, just talking about UFC news. Normally, it's two dads talking about UFC news, reviewing fight cards, any sort of rumors, anything that happened around the UFC or MMA. Um, but yeah, so UFC 298. Um, you know, we were going to do our preview show last week, and uh, unfortunately, I get, got I was sick. Tyrell was also out of the loop. It was just it was kind of a mess, to be honest with you, in terms of scheduling. So for all our listeners that. Um, are staying true and still tuning in. Thank you so much. Um, if you are listening for the first time, please give us a follow on Spotify uh, or Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, just really excited to uh, jump into today's episode. So, wanted to give you kind of a breakdown of what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, first, we'll be talking about <clears throat> obviously UFC 298 and the fallout of that. You know, the winners, the losers. Uh, what's next for um, you know kind of the results and the fighters of those? Uh, my opinions on them. I want to talk about. Obviously, I feel like the conversation has been happening every time Volkanovski fights. Uh, who's the goat at featherweight? And I kind of want to just talk about goats in general in terms of like who's the best um, in their division, as well as like how we have to make sure that we look upon these champions no matter what. Um, and then finally. You know, uh, the upcoming cards, um, kind of the implications of 298, as well as need to talk about that UFC 300 main event announcement. So anyways, let's jump into today's topic. So UFC 298, um, a huge shakeup at Featherweight. We are now in the era of Ilya Taporia, the undefeated champion of the Featherweight title at in the UFC, he defeats Alexander Volkanovsky, a fight he was losing in the first round and a half, and then he just comes out with the slickest of combinations against the cage to knock out, not to just, you know, TKO, just he knocked him out, like it was full on unconscious, and it was it was on brand for Ilya Taporia. he made the statement, he comes out and gets the win, um, yeah, this is it for Alexander Volkanovsky's title reign, and I truly believe he doesn't get the belt back. Um, there's potential that Volk tries to get his get that rematch. I know that Volkanovsky has mentioned that he would like to get that rematch. Um, I do think Volkanovsky needs to take more time than four months in between getting knocked out. I know he's really adamant on fighting. Um, unfortunately, uh, he is just, he's on the downswing. I don't think he's, he could retire immediately. Um, I have shared with Tyrell off the podcast that I would really like to see him retire, not because of the fact that I think he still couldn't compete with the top five guys, um, but it's more of, hey, let's preserve this legacy of yours, Volk. Uh, I think if you're not the greatest heavy, uh, heavyweight, <laughs> if you're not the greatest featherweight of all time, you're at least the runner-up to an, an absolute legend. Um, and yeah, it's got to be tough to lose to a young, undefeated guy. And if he would have beaten Ilya Taporia, 
this would have been, you know, his kind of crowning moment. I've beaten all three generations. I've beaten my current generation. I've beaten the guys before me. And now I've beaten the guys who are coming up. Um, I mean, that's something that I don't even think Jose Aldo could claim. And on the previous podcast, I have stated that, you know, if Alexander Volkanovsky wins, that he should be considered the best featherweight of all time. I'm still kind of sitting on the fence of that. I, uh, I don't know. My opinions are... My opinions, I guess, and I I don't even know if I fully formed them, but <clears throat> I feel like I, I need to stop going down the Volkanovsky train for a moment and, and give Ilya Teporia credit where credit's due. I'm going to be honest, I thought his shtick was going to be his shtick, and then I started thinking through, okay, this guy really just has all the skill sets to beat Volkanovsky. He is, in fact, a nightmare matchup for him. Um, it's definitely not... An easy fight. I thought Volk was still going to handle it. I thought he was going to do what he was doing, <clears throat> point fighting, making sure that he, uh, you know, keeps away from boxing range, um, as he demonstrated within the the Max fight. You know, using his speed and angles to get out of there and exit. Um, I know that's not everybody's fi- preferred fighting style, and a lot of people want them to get, you know, into the trenches. I personally have this opinion. Do whatever it takes to win. Yes, it might be boring and your path might be longer if you're an up-and-comer to get to the title. But do whatever it takes to win. Um, And then try to sell that fight as much as you can. I think Volkanovski is a great entertainer. But Ilya Teporia has, like I mentioned, the shtick of, hey, he's very much like Conor McGregor. Um, Some people are pointing out that he even has similar tattoos and like... Um, just how cocky and arrogant he was going into it. But I think in retrospect, we all have to accept like, no, he isn't Connor. Um, he has his own brand. I think it is a true self-belief that he wanted to be champion and he willed that into existence. I think he knew exactly what he was going to see in the cage against Volkanovsky. And he knew, Hey, if I push this guy up against the fence and start boxing him and he has no angles to cut away from me, I'm going to get him. And You know, he stated that I think it was a second round knockout that he's wanted and he got it. So um, I think people who call their own shots can either look like the the greatest like fortune tellers of all time or the biggest fools of all time. And well, Ilya has definitely uh, fallen into the former of those two. So um, hats off to Ilya. I really I wasn't I wasn't shocked by his performance. I was more saddened that we're watching kind of the end of the Volk reign and who knows I might be wrong um I might be you know I might see you know Volk win the win the title back and I, I to be honest with you um if he does that like there's a chance he'll continue to fight and I don't know if I want that <laughs> um but at the same time I I really like how you know Volk handled it, you know, respectful, and Ilya was very respectful of Volkanovski. I don't, I think some of his trash talk was to sell the fight, not necessarily to go after Alexander as a person. Um, I think that you know Volk, he's he's always there to be an entertainer, and I think Ilya understood that, like, hey, like I'm taking this from you. There's no disrespect. I respect you a ton, but I'm taking this from you. It's my time now, and and now it is the Ilya reign. So. Um, there's a lot of exciting fights for Ilya. I think obviously the first one that comes to mind is, is, um, Max Holloway. Obviously he's booked against Justin Gaethje. So we'll see if Max can make it out of there. Um, I think that, um, 
the winner of the Brian Ortega Yair Rodriguez is a great fight for for Ilya. Um, I think you know there's potential even for Arnold Allen to put on a streak to get up there. Like there's a lot of fun fights to 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 put together. I even think that in a far off way that uh, Calvin Cater uh, he, he that's a great stylistic matchup for uh, Ilya as they both are incredible boxers and one is definitely longer than the other being Calvin Cater. So. Uh, obviously you have to see if Calvin can get through his fight with Aljo. I think if Aljo wins, that's a great fight to put together. I don't, I don't see how Aljo makes it out of there alive. Um, but I do think that there are a lot of fun things and, uh, you know, I think hats off to Alex, hats off to Izzy for fighting the guys who were in their division, being active champions, being ones that kind of changed the precedent because we we're going down this road of champions that would only pick the, pick the easy fights or I shouldn't say easy fights, the money fights. The ones that would make them a lot of money, they would sit on their belts and not do anything. Um, I'm talking the Tyron Woodleys. I'm talking <clears throat> maybe I throw Khabib in there, um, but definitely Conor McGregor. You know, these guys who uh, got the belt weren't super active, were very picky. Um, and and the UFC, yes, it's a it's a it's a entertainment business, and you never know when you're going to lose it. And I think. The champions who solidify themselves as the best of all time are active, know how to defeat their opponents, and have consistent reigns of multiple wins in their championship. So, like I mentioned, Volk is going to go down as one of the best, I'd say top 10, I maybe even say top 8 fighters of all time that's ever entered in the UFC. We have to give him credit where credit's due. I know if Tyrell... Um, was on the podcast, he'd probably fight me on that a little bit. Um, but the, you can't deny that he's been a great champion and he's fought the who's who in the division. Um, obviously, I would have loved to see him get it done against the younger guy. And I think we have to caution ourselves um, if Volk decides to go on, or I shouldn't say decides, if he goes on a losing streak, um, we have to, to pump the brakes and be like, hey, he's already cemented himself as one of the best. Even if he goes on a losing streak, we still have to cement that, like, hey, he did well. I mean, the same thing with Anderson uh, Silva. I mean, he was one of the best, and then the Chris Weidman uh, situation happened. He got knocked out, then the leg break. And then we saw the decline of Anderson Silva, and most people still consider him one of the best fighters to ever do it. We can talk about Jose Aldo, who, after he lost to Conor McGregor, had to find his footing back at Featherweight and realized Bantamweight's the place to go, and still had to find his footing there. Um, and didn't have the career that you would want to end out um like uh, end your career on but he still was fighting the top guys tony ferguson considered one of the best lightweights of all time top five top six and now look at him he's on a seven fight losing streak and obviously that's horrible but we we have to remember these guys who they were not the end of their careers and i think that I don't think it's the end end for Volk if he doesn't want to. I think he could still be very competitive with the top five guys. I think they're obviously harder fights. Um, but I am not going to discredit Volkanovski and say that he is still not one of the best uh, fighters in the UFC right now. So kudos to Ilya Tapuria. May your reign and era be long because I think that this fighter is is sincerely one of the best um, I think there's an argument to say that Mo Mozari Volov should fight next for the title. Um, they're both undefeated, but I'm going to be honest. Mozar is not really... Um, I, I think he has one more fight before he gets there. And maybe it's against Volk. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> but I think that 
Mozart's got to really prove himself uh, and make a statement um, if he wants to get back into that title picture. Um, so obviously he's the one that's most available. Uh, I would love to see a, a fight card in Spain. Obviously Ilya Teporia is a very famous champion. He has more followers and, and, and people who are excited about him. And now we're tapping into a Spanish market that we've never had. So um, really exciting for Featherweight. Congrats to Ilya Teporia. He's a monster. He's an animal. And I think he's going to be a champ for a long time. Um, and I wouldn't even be surprised if he goes up and is actually the lightweight uh, champion as well uh, because we've already seen him fight at lightweight against Jai Herbert, and the dude can handle guys that are bigger than him. So awesome card. Um, I should say awesome main event. Um, and then we go to the co-main event with Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa. Bobby Knuckles, we think that he's on the downswing of his career, but he's 33. He still has time. Um Bobby Knuckles is, ekes out a decision win against Paulo Costa. Both men look great in there. I was really disappointed. I, I, if you follow us on Instagram, you would have known that I picked Apollo Costa to win. Um, I really thought that both guys looked absolutely crisp. I think obviously round one with that wheel kick at the end, Apollo just lands it right on the knee, not on the knee, on the, on the um, cheek of Whitaker. I don't know how he stayed conscious because I know Whitaker's been knocked out multiple times and has been wobbled a lot, but... Whitaker ain't, ain't out of this picture yet. He is definitely still a contender. Um, and he just beat one of the most dangerous guys in the division. I hope that Paulo can stay um, active uh, because I do think that he is young enough to make a make a climb back up to the title. I don't think it's that far away. I think, yes, he lost the fight, but I don't think he's a major loser of this fight. Um, I think that there's a lot of interesting fighters coming up. I think a Brendan Allen would be interesting to see how Paulo can handle him, especially with his BJJ skills. I think that we forget that Paulo has really good BJJ, and that's where he started from. Um, but yeah, no, Robert Whitaker was the better man. Outstruck him, was more active. Um, you know, it wasn't a point fight per se, because I mean, I'm going to be honest, I, I those head kicks from Paul Acosta, I thought we're going to be sending Robert to the shadow realm, but Whitaker really just stuck in it. You know, I, I, I have, I have this argument always that there should be more draws in the UFC, but I'm going to be honest. I don't really think that that, uh, fight should have ended in a draw. I think, uh, Bobby Knuckles was the uh, clear winner there. Even if it was by a slim margin, I think he still had the most activity. I think he, he did what he could to win and respect to, to Bobby Knuckles for that. And uh, hats off to Paul Costa. You know, I know that some people don't like the shtick of his secret juice of him being goofball, but it's made him who he is. It's made him a fun star and I think he makes more money from it. So keep it up. Um, yeah, great fight. Uh, middleweight is turning into one of the more exciting divisions as one of the most boring divisions. I think there's still kind of a train wreck up at the top with DDP, Izzy, uh, Sean, uh, and now Bobby Knuckles. But I think the next fight for Robert Whitaker is to is to fight Sean Strickland for um, the for the number one contender potentially behind Izzy if he if he ever makes a comeback. Um, and then Paulo Costa, like I mentioned, fight down in the rankings, be active, and he's going to get back up at the title shot in no time. I really do think that there's a there's a path for him. I think he is even dangerous against a DDP or or Sean. You know, I think that the power that he possesses is is really really strong. And I think that we've seen a lot of leaps and bounds in his technicality, especially against one of the more technical fighters in Robert Whitaker. So hats off to both of those men, especially Bobby Knuckles, with uh, remaining in the conversation. So. Then we move on to welterweight, uh, the fight between Ian Gary and Jeff Neal. 
Um, this was one of those fights I thought was going to be a lot more exciting. And then it turned out that uh, Jeff Neal really just wanted to hold Ian Gary against the cage and get punched a lot. So I I don't think this is a statement win for Ian Gary. I, as he's claiming it, he's like, I just manhandled a guy who uh, is super dangerous. I'm like, yeah, you did. But also, you were really boring. I mean, kudos to him for getting a win. I think Jeff Neal is a significant win. But I also think that you have made your path getting to the title a bit longer. Um, they're going to throw more guys in your path before they give you a shot. So, um, really nothing to write home about with this fight. I mean, Ian Gary just, just did what he could to win. And that's enough. Um, I personally don't care for him. I would like to see more out of him in terms of who else he can fight. Um I, I like the Colby Covington call out, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to come to fruition ever. Um, who knows, maybe. Um, I would really like to see, you know, him, I don't know, like, because he's right at the cusp of being, you know, the top, one of the top fighters in the UFC. But, like, what if him and Shavkat fought? Who would be the winner of that? I think I'd roll with Shavkat, but I think that that is a great testing fight for Ian. So... Uh, he's injured though. I mean, <laughs> if they're really adamant on Bilal not getting his title shot, then maybe he fights Ian Gary or even a Sean Brady. So, um, I, I don't really know where to put Ian on the, on the spectrum of, of, of fights and Jeff Neal, I feel like consistently finds ways to not make it to the top of the division. And, uh, this was this, this game plan for this fight was just utterly disappointing to, to, to see as he was almost stuck in the mud. So, um, I don't not not too much to say on this fight to be honest. I uh going to be honest, I also almost fell asleep during it. So, there you go. That's uh <laughs> that's about how that went. Um, then we'll move to the bantamweight fight on the main card, which was Marab Valshuli and I'm pronouncing his name wrong, sure, and then Henry Cejudo. Um, so Henry Cejudo uh, loses to Marab in kind of a devastating fashion. I, I mean, we're seeing a flyweight fight at a bantamweight level. I, I hate to say it, even though Henry Cejudo was a um, Olympic champion, he did he does not have the skills to handle Marab. And good on Marab for selling himself as a legitimate contender. One, but two, also having the personality to make a statement for Dana to say, "Hey, I am your guy," and Dana stating. Yeah, Marab's next. He's clearly the the clear number one guy, and I think that Sean O'Malley should do everything in his power not to fight him. And it sounds like he doesn't want to fight him by calling for Ilya Teporia uh, in his next fight uh, if he beats Cheeto. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, what an embarrassing fight for Henry Cejudo. What an amazing fight for Marab, and doesn't even let Henry Cejudo really get his retirement talk. So. Um, I'm glad Henry is retiring. I think he was a great champion in the time. I think he um, took advantage of some great opportunities, especially with a weak uh, leadership class within bantamweight. Um, so kudos to him for, for doing what he did. Um, but also Marab is, is, is going to be a problem for many years for a lot of people. I don't see many people beating him. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Corey Sanhagen, but I don't see him beating him. So, um, all around, I feel like this, this card kind of unveiled the, the changing of the guard for a lot of, uh, fighters that were in the division. And I feel like Marab, when he eventually becomes champion is, is definitely going to bring forth those new generation of fighters. 
And then finally, to end the card, uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez versus uh, Roman Kopulov. Um, I mean, Hernandez is a problem in middleweight, and I think we need to keep an eye on, eye on him. Um, I think that <clears throat> he is not getting talked about a lot, and so the, the fact that he got a spot on the uh, uh, main card, one, kudos to him, and then two, way to make an opportunity out of it. He was the only uh, finish besides the main event. Um, and the guy's a problem. His cardio is for days, so we need to respect him, and we need to um, keep an eye on him as he's coming up because I think he's got a couple more fights before he really breaks out to the top, but, I mean, he's in the top 15 right now, and I think there's a lot of great matchups for him. So um, he is the classic worker man's middleweight, but I think he's very exciting because he can snap a finish at any time, um, and he can break you down and um, really make a statement. So very, very, very exciting card. Um, if I want to give it an, uh, a score, I think i give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I think it... There are plenty of more fights that are going to be higher up than this card, but I thought that this main card was uh, great besides the drag down of the Jeff Neal, Ian Gary fight. So, um, yeah, that's 298. Uh, a lot of storylines coming out of it. Um, but the one I kind of want to focus on is that I mentioned earlier is that, um, you know, we have the greatest of all time talk all the time. You know, obviously, you know, John Jones is, 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 would be considered that. I, I think I, I put an asterisk by him because of the drug use. Um, I should say performance enhancing drug use, but also the other drug use. <laughs> um, uh, and then also like obviously GSP is up there, um, was one of the best to ever do it. And then I think, you know, some other legends fall in line, but I was thinking about it this weekend and I think that the greatest of all time, I, I or at least the, maybe I should call it the Mount Rushmore's of the UFC are, is generational. I, I don't think, I think one man spans across the generations and it is John Jones. I think that if he goes out and either if he wins against Tom Aspinall or, you know, whatever the case may be, I think that we can probably mark that down as the best to ever do it. But I, I, I'll say here confidently on the podcast that I think he is right now as it's, as it stands, because he's beaten whether controversially or not, he's beaten new generation, um, current generation and old generation resoundingly and, and has not lost except for that one stupid disqualification. So I think we have to give John Jones his credit. So let's put him on the shelf here uh, and, and not take him out of the conversation, but I don't think that the greatest of all time is relevant to the Mount Rushmore's of the time. Um, and I think that in this current generation of the UFC, or at least the one that's changing now to the newer guys, is was Volk, was Izzy, I think um, you know there's a lot of arguments for Henry Cejudo to be on that Mount Rushmore just because of his accolades and what he did during that time. There was a specific you know um, advantage, and then obviously Charles Oliveira should be on that Mount Rushmore of things. Do I think that all of these guys are are, are out of it? By no means, but I think that you know we're seeing the changing of the guard there for this current generation. Now, if we jump a couple of years back from them, you know it was the T.J. Gillishaws, it was the um, man, I, this is testing my UFC knowledge, but it, it was, it, it was those types of fighters, Rose Nama Yunus, Amanda Nunes, like, you know, like those types of fighters that were like making those statements at that time. And I think that those Mount Rushmore's change with the generations that shift through fighting and the UFC is such a fickle sport. And I think we need to give credit where credit's due because I feel like we're going to quickly look up the stats on Volkanovsky and say, well, Hey, he just lost three straight. He lost two against Islam and now against Ilya Tepura. He's washed, man. It's like, 
yes, he might be on the downswing of his career or might be starting to downgrade, but he fought one of the best guys to ever exist in the lightweight division, regardless of Tyrell and I's opinion on Islam. Um, he is a fantastic fighter. Um, but at the same time, you know, he is also getting older. Like, that's part of it. Like, he cannot be champion forever. He can't. And as much as we want him to be, or I should say, as much as I want him to be, I know that um, Tyrell is not a fan, or at least he prefers Max more than him. I think that, you know, father time comes for us all, and it's it's really just the timing of it. So I, I don't remove anything from the Jose Aldos and, and, you know, when he was in his time. You know, I, I think that they're all the best in their time frame, and then their time ends, and then we have to move on. And I think that I... I I have fallen into the trap of, well, who's the best featherweight of all time? Well, that's really hard to judge because if you look at the records of Jose Aldo and Alexander Volkanovsky, you see like, okay, like uh, Jose fought a lot of guys that aren't even like, weren't even considered anything. And he fought in the WEC, moved over to the UFC. Obviously he's fought some tremendous fights, but like, you know, not everyone can like point out in his list of, of fighters, like, I know that guy, I know that guy, or like that they did have any significance within the, the UFC or even the WEC. And that's, it's not saying that I'm being disrespectful. That's just being real. Meanwhile, current generation says like, oh yeah, like Alexander Volkanovsky fought, you know, much tougher guys. He might have not defended his belt as long or as much as, um, excuse me, as much as Jose. But here's the thing. The only four guys in front of him are... Jose Aldo, with the, with the more title defenses, is Jose Aldo, is uh, John Jones, is Anderson Silva, and is, um, shoot, I'm forgetting, uh, who is it? Oh, Mighty Mouse. Those are the four guys that are in front of him are most title defenses. Who else? There's no one else. Like, come on. Like, so if we can't move him above Jose, or if we want to compare apples to oranges with, with his level of competition, then maybe they split even as the best to ever do it in, in their division. So I all to say is Mount Rushmore's goats are generational. I think things change all the time. We have to look through that lens and give credit where credit's due. And we also can't rob the fighters as they move into the back half of their career. Because I think that, you know, it's disrespectful to view BJ Penn, a great example, BJ Penn through the lens that he is now. I think we have to view him for what he did for the sport and how iconic he was and what he was doing before anybody else was doing it. Um, and I think we have to view GSP in that same lens. I think we have to view uh, John Jones as the outlier. Uh, but I like, I like take a look at Mighty Mouse. I mean, he did literally what no one else has done with the most title defenses. Come on. Like, like. Like, let's give our credit where credit's due. This is my, I, I would say this is my defense of Alexander Volkanovsky in the future. If he does end up putting together a string of losses that would be disappointing for him and for his fans. And I'm speaking as a fan, a big fan of Volkanovsky and since the beginning of his career. I said, this guy's going to be special and I can't wait to see more from him. Well, now we saw more from him and it's not disappointing that he's losing. It's It's coming, but it is sad to, you know, hear that people are so quick to dismiss what he could have been. And I think we have to give respect for all fighters. I think I even think, you know, like respect to, to to Max Holloway when he was champion. I mean, the fact that he's literally had one guy who's kept him from there is horrible to, to say, but uh, like, because he just can't seem to get past the hump. But now there's an opportunity for him to potentially get past the hump. Um, I don't know. I, I think that we, 
the great fighters are in the great fighters of their time and we need to give them the respect they're due. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, uh, you could totally disagree with me if you want, but here I am making my own opinions heard. So with that being said, move on to the final thing that was announced at UFC 298, and that is the main event for UFC 300. Uh, it'll be Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill. Uh, can I can honestly say... I'm not super stoked about that. I know there's one more fight to be putting on this card, um, and maybe it is the Bilal versus Leon. Um, but two interesting things come out of this. One, I think that this was a, a interesting, um, not an accident, but an interesting thing that happened because Jamal Hill said, literally, I found out yesterday that I'm fighting at UFC 300. Okay, that's scary. Um, we didn't even know you were healthy yet, bud. Like, there's been no news around your health and, and when you were going to return, but now you're moving to USC 300. Okay, great. Now, we also find out that Leon Edwards was offered three different fights. So, um, we found out who later this week that it was Shavkat. Okay, he's injured. Um, Kamzat. Okay, Ramadan. And then Islam, which is also ha happening in Ramadan. The only other fighter that said, I'll fight during Ramadan, was Bilal Muhammad. Um, and some reason they don't want to book that fight for UFC 300. I mean, I know why, because it is the most boring title fight, but I think if you're going to book another fight, maybe book that Leon Bilal fight. Cause I think it is a gimme fight for, for Leon. I think it is a deserved fight for Bilal. And I think that it would still bring a lot more excitement to the card. If you had a fully stacked all championship card fight, including the BMF title. Now, with that being the case, if that doesn't get booked, I think that they do need to reshuffle the main event. The main event needs to be Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway. I think it's utterly insane that anyone would think that Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill is going to be better than that because, to be honest, we don't know what kind of Jamal Hill we're going to get in there. Are we going to get fat and slow Jamal Hill? Are we going to get wrestle-heavy Jamal Hill that can take down Alex Pereira? Are we going to get the Alex Pereira domination at light heavyweight? And, and I think that that's more of the possibility, the latter of all of those, that Alex Pereira is going to dominate him. Um, from just a complete striking perspective, there is a huge gap. Um, I think the grappling there potentially is a huge gap, but there also potentially isn't. Um, I mean, who, who knows how much Alex has been training? I know he's been with Glover and Glover has fought Jamal Hill. Not granted Jamal Hill, uh, absolutely destroyed Glover in their title fight. But where is Jamal Hill at right now in terms of his health? Like this is, in my opinion, a huge, huge opportunity for Alex to solidify who he is in the light heavyweight picture and, and like kind of make a statement that, hey, I'm one of the best ever fighting here besides John Jones. So I think that this is a horrible fight to make for, for Jamal Hill, in my personal opinion. I think that we should be concerned that he's taking it. Um, I also think that um, this fight really doesn't move the needle for me in terms of the excitement I was having around this card. I thought maybe we'll have one mega fight. We'll bring out a legend. And yeah, it might not be the best fight, but hey, it'll be a good fight that we, we could put on for UFC 300. And I know in the background that Dana and Hunter Campbell have been scrambling to get some something scheduled because a lot of things have fallen through. Um, but I, and I still think UFC 300 is such an amazing card. Like I really do. But I think that the luster is kind of lost on me a little bit because there's not much else we can do uh, to be excited for it. I think that 
Prahera and, 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 and Hill, that fight is, is just a half step up from Leon and Bilal. I mean, I don't really know who is super excited about it. So, um, I don't know. I'm disappointed, um, obviously, to have that unveiled. And, and, and I think it's smart that Dana just said, hey, we're going to tell this weekend because we kind of need the excitement of the card to help boost this a little bit uh, the excitement of ufc 298 so um yeah disappointed uh, obviously we'll, we're waiting to hear the last uh fight to be announced on the card so who knows what that's going to be um but it's not to say that we don't have other exciting fights uh, fight, oh, <laughs> other excite exciting fight cards coming up i mean next weekend we have uh ufc fight night between moreno and roy val then the fight night after that is well it's I would say not the most exciting. We do have Muhammad Mokaya fighting uh, on that card. And then uh, UFC 299 is a few short weeks after that. So um, I think that we we can get our hopes up and get excited about the future of where we're going in the next few weeks for the UFC. Um, obviously, I think there's a big changing of the guard happening right now in the UFC. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Um, who knows what these next few weekends are going to unveil about the UFC and the young fighters that are coming up. But regardless, I'm excited. Uh, UFC 298 was great. Excited for UFC 300, even with some of the disappointing news coming out about that. But anyways, that'll be it for me on the show today. So let me know your thoughts. Let me know your opinions. Um, give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram at fighting underscore words underscore podcast. So thanks all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.